Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. It's been a light summer, but we are happy to get back to providing you with more craft-oriented discussions with the film industry's top directors. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode gives us a glimpse behind the scenes of director Mira Nair's new film, Queen of Katwe, which tells the true story of Fiona Mutesi, a girl who discovers she has the makings of a bona fide chess prodigy. In order to break the glass ceiling and achieve her dream of becoming an international chess champion, Fiona must overcome the impositions of gender, social status, and her own lack of education. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Nair spoke with director Ava DuVernay about filming Queen of Katwe. Listen on for their discussion where they speak about the ties Ms. Nair has to the community of Katwe and how she directed more than 100 local Ugandan children who had never been on camera before. Enjoy. Thank you very much, thank you. Hello everyone, how are you? Thanks for being here today to celebrate this beautiful film. I'm Ava and I'll just start off by saying what an honor to sit here with you. A little nervous, a legend, and um, a practicing legend. Those are the best kind. You are too kind, you are too kind, thank you. So such energy coming off the screen here, and I think, you know, the conversation I would just love to have is, you know, I think you can, you know, read many articles um, where Mira addresses kind of the, some of the basic questions about the film, um, uh, how it came to be, and some of these uh, questions about identity and culture and legacy. What I'm really interested in talking to her about is her craft and how she shaped and fashioned this film. Um, in a way that I feel uh, feels so organic and natural, and yet I can tell that I'm in the hands of a master. And so, if that's okay, I'd love to chat with you a little bit about the aesthetics and how you got to what we saw on screen. I mean, it's really easy to say, oh, she basically pointed the camera at some kids in a really interesting location. But there's a lot of, you know, design and, and a lot of very specific choices here. Can you just talk about that, that, uh, that, that challenge of, of, um, of, of, of taking a space raw as it is and being able to elevate it to a cinematic experience and what it takes to get there. Sure. I mean, <clears throat> in many ways, this film was about 27 years in the making. And, and by that, I mean that I have lived, Kampala is my home for the last 27 years. I came to Uganda to make Mississippi Masala there in 1989 and I fell in love there, birthed a son there, planted several gardens there, have a film school there. And have been surrounding myself actively uh, with the idea that if we don't tell our own stories, no one else will. But despite being surrounded by students, we have now 680 filmmakers that came out of Maisha, our film school. Um, this story of Fiona Mutesi came from Hollywood. Uh, it came from Tendo Nagenda, and uh, who is a Ugandan-born vice president of Disney, who had read about Fiona, um, who lived in Katwe, about 20 minutes from where I live and um so but i it just tapped immediately not just the inspiration of this young plucky girl who refused to be confined in the place that she was born and how she meets this teacher and then her mother and that whole sort of prismatic universe that com- 
brings her to achieve her genius and achieve her potential. But um, it was also a chance to distill those 27 years of living there and loving and loving the dignity and sort of joy of everyday life in in an African-specific street, you know, in Kampala, Uganda, where I have been. So when the story came to me, it was it was a way to distill it all, you know, it, to take it to locations where, which have which have inspired me for so long. For instance, the Gaba, the fishing village where Harriet Lupita's character sells her wares, is five minutes from my place where I buy fish every second day, and I'm always turned on, not just by the presence and the extraordinary generosity of the lake Victoria which is like an ocean in the middle of our city but also by the vibrancy of the style of what people wear for instance you know my fish seller was wearing a Pucci dress with a kitenge wrap around her the last time I bought fish from her because Kampala is the center of used clothing in the world so this kind of panache and vibrancy and dignity of everyday living where you see the redness of that earth you see the greenness of the flora the equator runs through Kampala uh, and it's very fertile. Uh, but And you also see the crisscrossing of school children uh, in vi vibrant colors and the emphasis on school fees. You know, please knock on your door. May I go? May I go to school? Mm. You know, this is a, Africa. This is a portrait of life that you never see, you know, that you never see. It, it, it's never on any screen. I mean, if the continent is made into stories, it's sort of mostly a backdrop for largely white stories that come there that are colonial and that are bathed in some kind of nostalgia. So it's it's part of a really active way of, of bringing the specificity and the extraordinary um, like dignity, I would say, but also the sass, you know, and also the, the what we call in, in Kampala, we call it lifest, you know, to embrace life fully, that you may have half an inch of water in your basin, but you will wash your hair and you will be as smart as possible at the end of it. You know, that's what I see around me and that's what I see in Katwe and that's what we brought together in bring, bringing these, the, the kids in the film. They're 98, they're 100 actors, all Ugandan, except for Lupita and David, who are from the continent and God bless that. You know, it's extraordinary to be in a moment. You're such a big part of this moment in, of movement, of like finally creating a Hollywood that is now going to reflect on screen the world that we live in, you know, multiplicity of the world that we live in. So that's extraordinary to have Lupita and David have the cloud of movie stars to make such movies actually exist. But the other kids, the 98 actors, uh, they have never faced the camera, largely never faced the camera before. And we started really from the street. I mean, the kids on the street, uh, the kids uh, in the movie are from Katwe, from Chibuli. Uh, they have families, they have communities, but they are... That life is not unknown to them, the life that they are playing. And that is a constant teacher, you know, when I'm, when I'm shooting and when I'm preparing, how to get these kids together to have workshops in movement, in disciplining the mind, really, to be as still as it some, sometimes is needed for film acting. Um, and to observe all the time in these kids their strengths and their particularities. You know, Benjamin, for instance, the young boy in the film who, um, you know, who makes these fantastic sounds and who says grace at the moment. Anytime he's nervous, you know, there's dear father, you're in heaven. I mean, all that is, is, is what I was observing and, you know, seeing their strengths and then harnessing them and putting them in part of their characters, asking for those snaps every time because that was for me an expression of life. Like whatever I have, I'm not 
not going don't feel sorry for me babe you know i'm going to i'm going to say this is it you know uh, all that is part of being familiar with the universe uh, but also being um looking to harness you know in the same way that katende did for fiona long winded answer to no, it answered several question. of my upcoming questions yes <laughs> yeah good good um so the uh the uh, integration of your kind of big very well known hollywood stars with these you know uh, emerging actors mm -hmm. and uh, uh uh um unpracticed actors new actors new faces uh what were some of the um techniques or what was your approach to kind of making them feel as a part of the community and making the community except them david who's a great friend talked to me about um the way in which he felt very immediately integrated into that community the family the space um how did you approach that well we started with the kids about uh, 6 weeks or 4 weeks before lovita and david came in and though and by that i meant you know there were workshops there were in movement in 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 choreography even in the speech and how to speak clearly within our own accent of you know using luganda how to speak clearly uh, all kinds of things and when lupita came in with about 4 weeks before the shooting began i remember the first day you know all holding hands in those sort of theater workshop type of exercises and she looked around and she just looked at me and and i've known lupita since she was a young woman uh, way before she became an actor she was my intern and my assistant and and then was part of my film school in maisha where she made her first films in the year 2006 so i've known her like a daughter and and in this in this in this circle of holding all the kids and being in this workshop she suddenly looked at me in this film of like almost tears in her eyes and she says you know everyone is my color and that was just astonishing for her and for us of course it was just like how we live but it was a, a big thing for her you know to fly in from you know new york city or wherever she came from and to have that astonishing kind of solidarity you know in that sense just to begin and so immediately it was a practical things you know like lupita uh, asked her film family who had been created by then so let me you know i'd like to prepare lunch and invite mira to the lunch after to you know let's go to the market and and you know you teach me how to hustle for vegetables how to get the right thing what is a typical ugandan meal and all of that and they cooked you know sitting on her haunches in a in a little room where madina lived the girl who played fiona uh, because again the kids come from very similar they they don't it's a very similar life that fiona lived is what madina lived and you know and and i came to hours later and i'm here to say that the, the meal tasted pretty damn good and uh and you know it was immediate family politics like when i was there they were cooking and you know there was night the the lovely young girl who's playing night you know giving her mother attitude and saying oh my god this was not as good as you know that you know you, you you're you're really trying try harder she was giving her you know grief and and it was a lovely way to break the ice yeah. and actually with children there is no other way to break the ice than to than the gift of time especially that young lovely 2 year old uh, baby ivan i mean he stole every scene he was in because he was utterly comfortable with his mother on screen lupita i mean she used to spend all weekends every time it, it was with this film family yeah. they were and they are still together here in la i mean they they literally don't leave each other and they, she is their mama and that is that you know um so firstly it was that creating that type of uh, familiarity and a cocoon of safety in a sense i also introduced her to 
several other sort of baganda um you know ladies who had gone and seen a lot that i knew who have gone through life in a in the struggle of life in and how they process it in a way that is completely like alchemizing it into a kind of healing and that is how i associated with uh, harriet herself the real harriet she's a formidable woman who has seen so much but she has processed it into not being a bitter woman but instead being a woman who is shy but full of courage actually she's a mother courage and so i surrounded um, lupita with women like that a couple of women whom so she could understand you know how you don't you don't get used up by the struggle but that you alchemize it you use it you know um with david it was you know it was instantly of course he had robert katende you know all the time in front of him but he almost shied away from that uh, not wanting to imitate a man who is right there in front of you um but for me the main thing that i told david was that uganda is one of the most courteous nations in the world we are our people are have in there's a great sweetness there's a great emphasis on greeting on courtesies on uh, on on that self-effacing quality it's not like forceful assertive mm-hmm. you know like we i used to tease him like we always associate with the nigerian folk they come in you yeah. know the hustle <laughs> you know and it's a very different vibe mm-hmm. very different vibe mm-hmm. and that was really kind of almost all i had to say to david because it was not about that forcefulness it was much more about a, a self-effacing sweetness but tough love mm-hmm. but in that way you know um and he just is sublime as you well know in terms of just gra- you know grasping the atmosphere and the big thing is we shot in agape church that church was actually where katende mm-hmm. created the pioneers we shot in katwe in actual right there places so the community was real and the community helped a lot you know in making it real but also remember that the kids come from there so you know madina taught us how to bathe with half an inch of water she taught she sold corn for a living so she you know the prop master had like five baskets and many accoutrements she said i don't need all this this is what i need and she she taught us all the time and she taught lubita and david all the time so you know it was a beautiful marriage when you cast legendary actors who sometimes have their shtick and their you know their tricks uh, and then you cast you know person especially a child who is never who has no artifice mm-hmm. that marriage of sort of purity and freshness uh, with someone who has great skill who has to drop the mm-hmm. tricks yeah. and come to that same point of purity that is what i love and that is what i've done right since salam bombay and mississippi masala and monsoon wedding and all those movies it's always a combination of sort of legendary you know actors and people who just i feel have instinctually i, I know they have the life that i want for the screen yeah. Well, it takes great direction and leadership to get them there, and you always seem to get them there. So that's that's fantastic. I'm so struck by something that you said, Lupita's um, observation of everyone has skin like me, because this film, I, I think, you know, it, it's it's the way I feel when I watch the film. It's the way I feel when I watch, um, you know, a film by Ryan Coogler or, uh, you know, a, a film by Casey Lemons. It's so rare to watch a film, let alone be on a set where. everyone looks like you and it's if you if you always experience that it's something that you take for granted but i just want to just point that out and and what you've seen here how much of an anomaly it is a break in the reality of working in hollywood to both see it on screen and feel it behind the screen so i um, mean to have a woman of color director you know we were like two unicorns sitting here 
really is. And you know, it is, it's, it's, it should be more. It should be more. So forward thinking people who agree with that, I hope we all do what we can to make it true. Um, but, uh, can you talk a little bit about your work with your cinematographer? Uh, who he was, a big fancy name, and how, um, your collaboration was? Sure. I mean, the cinematographer is the great Sean Bobbitt. Um, and this was the first time that I worked with him. Uh, I um, also brought on Miles Goodall, who was the second cinematographer, second camera, because we had a lot of times, almost all the time, two cameras going, especially chess. We can talk about how to shoot chess. That's another story. But um, um, so Sean, I, I really... Um, work visually very much hands-on in a way uh, and I'm very inspired both by photography and the world around me and of course knowing these environments as intimately as I did I knew like I wanted the wood stacks of Gaba I knew I wanted to, chess to be played on the edges of the lake I knew uh, the blue of the agape church blue slats wood, wooden doors I, I you know all of those things was what I led Sean to seeing but Sean is a real child of Africa himself. He must have made about 12 feature films there. He came from news and he came from really being in the trenches and I loved that. I loved that he nothing phased him. He was not a foreigner there at all. So that was one thing that we... And So what I do normally is I create a visual book, a notebook for myself and for my team because my whole thing is to educate, to sort of communicate as much as I want to know. I want my heads of department to have so that by the time we're shooting, especially in a film like this, when inspiration is right on the street everywhere, inspiration is what the kids are doing between takes, that I can, I have to be completely, almost an empty slate at the moment of shooting so I can receive such inspirations. So I want to communicate everything I do much beforehand. So I create a visual book, uh, a book of photographs, some of them I take, some of them are photographers I've loved, that, that reflect the tone of this film. You know, that's what I presented first to Sean. Um, and, and then, of course, it was lots to do with the locations, walking the streets and really looking at the locations. That was a big part of it. Um, and then we, like traditionally, we sat down and we did, we do, do our scene breakdowns, you know, and we never get through more than <laughs> like 60% if we are lucky, you know, through the film. Uh, but what we talked here about was really how to film the chess because we knew what the world would be showing us and what we, which kind of world we were looking at. But the chess was the big challenge because there are about 15 or more games in the film. Uh, these games are structured on actual moves that Fiona played, actual moves that were played all the time, so that you can't just fool around moving chess pieces around. So, And Kat Robert Katende used to train our children uh, in the chess so that they were fully trained so that in the moment of shooting, the kids are actually involved with the game because you can't fake... Uh, thinking, you know, you have to really be engaged in it to, for me to sell the idea that chess can be dramatic or thoughtful or frustrating or whatever the scene is. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing. How do we film each game, um, uniquely, you know? So we designed that. We, we actively designed that this one was going to be shot from above, this one from below, this one, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then we kept building on that. Mm -hmm. Um, a big part of the shooting was uh, Sean loved to do these sort of observational tracking shots. So we would build tracks between, you know, shacks or whatever the street, you know, and or we were always on the street. 
and Miles Goodall, the other cameraman whom I also have worked with for several years, uh, is much more intimate, uh, roving, much wilder, sort of more anarchic in, in some senses. Also very good with nature, you know, so that while Sean and I were doing dramatic scenes, Miles was off filming the rain or filming the birds or filming the lake. I mean, so we constantly were in tandem and I think that the cutting which was masterfully done by Barry Alexander Brown who did uh, Salam Bombay and several films of mine and then works with Spike a lot um, I mean the work we did in the editing room really was what made this mating dance as I used to call it between the two cameras work really brilliantly and and um, you know so that was how we did it yes. yeah wow exciting um the, I just want to chat a little bit. I don't know how much time we have, but I want to talk a little bit about, um, the, the, you talked about how this film came to you, but it's just such a odd, unlikely thing to have, um, a person like Tendo Naganda even in the studio space, in the studio system. Um, he brought you this. He brought me A Wrinkle in Time, which is a film that I'm about to do for Disney. And it really speaks to, what can happen when you have different points of view in a um, uh, a in a structure that's been around for for so long within a system, the mm -hmm. Hollywood system that's been around for so long? How one person can shake it up and make a bit of a difference? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the experience of you know. I never do a Q and A when I'm trying to talk about the studio executive. Oh my God, who wants to do that? But this one is a is one that's really broken down doors for a lot of forward thinking. Um, approaches to film there and so what was your experience like and was that very different from what you've had before yeah I have to say that um, I have worked with the studios now maybe four five six films over the years or more and this has been hands down my most uh, exciting and positive experience people thought that oh it's a Disney film you know it'll have to be Disneyfied and I can really stand here and tell you that there's nothing in this film that either had to be sugar coated or was varnished in any way or sanitized in any way uh, even when I was shooting it and I had Lupita like backhandedly you know slap her older daughter for night for leaving the kid in the in the what then became the floods. I mean, even while I was shooting that, the first that was the first take. What you saw, I, I, there was a voice in my head like Disney's going to get me for this. They're going to ask me to like take away the slap. I just have a feeling, and and actually there was someone not Tendo on the set who came up to me and said, Mira, can you just do another version? And I said, Well, I'll do it, but I want to use this version of the slap. And you know, I, but but I mean, I ended up using it. I, they never pressured me for one second about you know we can't show violence. This is the, whatever. So. It was a very interesting kind of uh, place of trust that happened from the beginning where we never got a note about cleaning it up, mm -hmm. you know, which is what you it would might expect, expect, you know. Right. Um, I mean, I, I thought and we created a lot in the editing. We created a lot in the in certain scenes that didn't exist. They, they were existing for other reasons that, you know, for instance, when Fiona uh wants to go to Russia because she hears, hears that she can get a stipend, she can get money if she becomes a master and that regular money will help her family and she's determined to go. Her coach is not into it but she wants to go. Um, that kind of 
you know that kind of a, a that kind of a build up was something we wanted to say but when we were in the editing room we didn't have those scenes where you see her restlessness mm-hmm. and we had to create it you know and that was where Barry comes in so beautifully where mm-hmm. disney is telling us you know we need to we need to take the ensemble nature of this and make it much more a through line of a young girl uh, and that could have riddled you know make us sort of put aside the complexity of it but for me the whole world was important the what i call the prismatic world the world of the mother the world of the teacher nothing can happen on your own you know you can't just say i want to be somebody and get there that ascent individually it doesn't it takes a village it takes a street it takes a family it takes a teacher it takes all these people and i wanted to never reduce them to just emblematic figures a, a haranguing mother who will never understand or you know know whatever to, sh- to for instance the scene in which the mother goes to sell her dress to buy paraffin for her child it was not just to be a self sacrificing mother it was because as a director i knew i had i had lupita you know i had a woman just like harriet was in her life who had given birth at the age of 15 a terribly young mother but she was full of the promise of womanhood at this age of and but she senses although that feeling a man that she might have been attracted to but you know she does the dance but she's practical she's pragmatic this is not the time to go there you know this is the time to get her daughter's talent realized but there was a scene had to exist to show you that it was not it was also about the promise that was then put aside so these are the things one does when you see the strengths of those who are with you mm-hmm. then you have to as a director maximize that yeah. you have to you know take it much further or just harness it uh, in the same way that katende harnesses uh, fiona's talent um, that's the joy of directing yeah. yeah can you talk a little bit about your directorial team i mean your 80s and your how many did you have did you have a first second and a second second or like how many people i had were a, supporting you i had a first and i had a second and i had several th- uh, two thirds um because two third assistance yeah, yeah. because right. you know we were filming on the streets yes. it, it this was not a controlled environment and the, were these folks um from from Uganda or yeah, were they yeah. or were they brought in one well a couple of things okay. i mean the, we don't have i mean we had 30% of the uh, the crew is from Maisha's film school um, the film school right. that, that uh, yeah, that is a fantastic <laughs> thing amazing. you know it's incredible but we don't have yet i mean this film was a very critical thing in terms of giving giving people access to that professional level where they can then become now a head right. of department so the heads of department were brought in and usually the ones i have worked with for several years stephanie carroll who did the dis- production design for instance um mobalaji daudu did the costume design that was my first time with him but i loved his work in mother of george i just That's was right. you know went crazy for it yeah. and uh, you know brought him in and lydia pilcher of course my producer with whom i've worked with for 25 years a uh, prolific uh, amazing producer uh, prolific Lydia, amazing and, and an extraordinary artist who who always uh, she's the over there yeah props to Lydia <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and and uh, and And for yeah. the first eighties, we had Attila, uh, fr- uh, who most uh, Turkish young man from New York City, who does a lot of you know world cinema type of things. He'd done some work in East Africa before, uh, and then we had Spike um, uh, from here, uh, who came in and worked on the the South African section, because we did fifty percent of the thing in Uganda and fifty percent to save money for this tax rebate you get in South Africa, right. um, and so uh, we had. 
essentially two two units and um and you know and then a lot of young people who just worked as thirds uh, on the streets you know with the kids with you know there was a lot of crowd controlling that had to happen yeah um so and and also with the kids we, you know we had very limited hours of work yeah. and disney is fierce about you know 8 hours means 8 hours and i would i've never had this situation where i'm shooting and literally the kid is being taken away from me you know and i was like you just oh, shoot until they drag him away you know, literally <laughs> literally and it was yeah. tough because yeah. we had very limited hours yeah. per day yeah. um and uh, but that was how we did it yeah. you know you yeah. have to do it absolutely yeah. absolutely so i always i dislike it when i get this question but i have to ask you anyway um i don't know why i don't like this question but i like to hear the answer to the question which is what do you hope comes from this film being in the world not so much what you hope people feel or what they take from it but this is something that you've made that you've given birth to that you've treasured it shows the full array of beauty of of where you live um with these extraordinary actors and getting this huge platform you know what is your hope for what it will do now that it's in the world well i hope it will inspire uh young people young especially you know young girls but boys and you know a- anyone really to understand that it is possible to achieve something that might appear like a dream uh but that this story and it's a remarkably and utterly true story there's really not much uh hardly any you know sugar coating you know none of this is did not happen it happened you know and i've always come from the place of truth being stranger and more powerful than fiction and we've tried to do that very you know in a very careful way in this but i hope that people can get that sense of the fact that it's possible to dream and to actually achieve it um and also i think i also hope that um you know what what i find really inspiring of living in uganda and and living amongst the fiona's of the world and living amongst people like this is is that to focus on what you have and not on what you don't have and i come and i live half the year in new york city i live half you know this is my home as much as it is in uganda and we are so used to excess here you know we are so used to not uh thinking about what we have and and the 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 constant idea of aspiration and wanting more is so foreign to the world i come from here in uganda and that's what i find most inspiring is in the fiona's of the world in the people on the street in the harriets in everyone the idea of um achieving by knowing what you have and harnessing that to the max with your community that is a big a big part of what we need to remember in this world especially that and the fact that you know the images that we put out of especially the Af- in, in the, the sort of the dark continent of africa everything we see about that country or that continent is 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 um is nothing to do with the everyday life that i see and i live in you know and i think also to remove the idea that it is the other you know because that's what we always put out you know it's the land of bestiality and child soldiers and dictators and people ripping their intestines apart or whatever we've never known these people as human beings and i think if the queen of katwe can sort of uh bring you the humanity the particularity the power of 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 human beings as they struggle through their ordinary lives you know but get 
take you to a place where you can see yourself in it and you can be spurred on to something something that you might have in you that would be beautiful and that's the very reason why we celebrate you so grateful for the peace mira thank you so much thank you eva please encourage thank people you. to go and check out this film thank, thank you, so you so much, much. for being here thank, thank you. you thank you eva thank you so thank much you. thanks for listening to the dga q a you can watch more discussions like this on our website or our youtube channel and if you haven't already please subscribe to the director's cut on itunes google play music stitcher or our soundcloud page so you won't miss an episode and if you're enjoying the podcast please leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback thanks for listening and have a great week this podcast is produced by the directors guild of america music is by dan wally